That's a, yeah, I just got an old, like, kind of dead blender from a coworker who left it at the office and said, free for a good home, which is, like, my favorite fa- phrase. So I've gotten all my good kitchen appliances, so. Oh, yeah. Got to make some smoothies or something. Ooh, that's a good breakfast. Yeah. You just have to, like, lean on it to keep the lid down, mm. unfortunately, so it's got some quirks. So that's why it needs a good home. Yeah, exactly. And that's why it's free. Mm-hmm. Also. Oh, uh, uh, yes. That's why it's yeah. free for a good home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So do you have a 401k, Ryan? <laughs> no. Hmm? No. Are you saving for retirement yet? No, I'm not even on my par- I'm not even off my parents' health insurance. Oh god. <laughs> I can do that in yeah. Dude. This is this is what I'm thinking is like I am going to be done my commitment is up with this job in July. Mm-hmm. I will have just turned 25 and I'm like, I will just be a vagrant for like a year, get it all out of my system until I can't be on my parents' insurance anymore. And then I'll get a real job. Wow. Really? Hell yeah, dude. Right? I think. Well, in days. We'll see. We'll see if they actually start impeachment proceedings. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. But yeah, no, it's it's a weird weird time to be alive. Yeah, very strange. So I guess with that, let's start. Welcome. Let's start the show. <laughs> Welcome everyone. Welcome back everyone to your weird show. Um, we might go. We might rebrand. What do you think? Oh, yeah? Yeah. Are you think, thinking about rebranding? I think so. I've been thinking about rebranding. What do you think? I think, I think how to grow up. Ooh, yeah. It could be, what do you want to be when you grow up? Colon. How to how grow up. Okay, yeah, well, a longer name. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, more more words. <laughs> more things to remember. That's, yeah. that's what you My want favorite, in the title. Yeah. <laughs> Is when uh, Audrey made our like logos and she just like abbreviated everything to just the first letter and it was still like twice as long as any other podcast name. <laughs> it's like WWY Yeah, it's too I can't even do it. I can't either. Nobody can. Yeah. Fans, who are we kidding? Nobody can do this. Fans but also it's like honestly, the more the more you investigate this question, the more it's like, that's a fake question. There's no such thing as being grown up and there's no such thing as knowing what you want to do unless you're like a, you know, sociopath. Grey's Anatomy character. Oh, oh or yeah, that same too, thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Yikes. No, yeah. I guess that's kind of like, it'd be a sardonic way. Is that the right word? Sardonic? Ironic? Yeah. Because, um, yeah, you don't really yeah. grow up. You grow uh, mm. like a mm. like a seed like a flower into a flower into a beautiful sunflower mm. Mm. i'm yeah i'm kind of a beautiful sunflower in a lot of ways i've i've always said that thank you ryan you're welcome i <laughs> do you should we here's a fun segment should we give little updates on our professional lives yeah, so like a, one a little update a little update uh yeah sure yeah. Well, comeback story this is the comeback episode yeah. folks um yeah you go first <laughs> oh thanks <laughs> <laughs> uh, um so yeah no sorry for the delay uh in our irregularly programmed show i did a lot this summer i 
I got a job with the North Carolina Governor's School West as an activities coordinator. Uh, I plan an activity every night but one each week for six weeks for uh, hundreds of high schoolers. There are 300 Whoa. high schoolers at this place. Holy shit. And uh, I got usually like 100, 150 a night. Um, really? Yeah, I taught a Damn. class. Uh, wow. I was pretty hype about uh, discussing critically with one another about big issues like race, gender, uh, education itself. Cool. Basically making sure like, hey, uh, here's how to respectfully have uh, disagreement and how to build trust with one another. Oh man, I want to take that class. Right. It would have been nice before <laughs> Davidson since most of our education was discussing big ideas and learning how to disagree with people. Yeah, it's kind of what the entire, like, liberal arts education system revolves around. Right. In a way, you know. And it, with, at this, like, governor's school, like, Tennessee's, like, you have science in Knoxville, you have the arts people all at MTSU's campus. Um, here, it was, like, all the disciplines, like, thrown together. Um, mm -hmm. So I taught kids, like, who were in music, but in math, but also in social science, English, uh, just, like, everybody from everywhere. Super neat. Wow. And then... Sounds ch challenging. Yes. Uh, nobody got really heated in my class, so that was cool. They're all very nice. I love my, I love my kids. Um, There's a man standing behind Ryan with a gun to his head, by, just for the listeners. I love my, please, son, <laughs> I want you to come back home. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. And then, um, <laughs> so I got that job through my friend Savannah Deal, who... I got a grant for a play that I directed right after that. Woo How did that go? I was so sad to miss it. Uh, it went really well. It was, uh, yeah. I was very proud of what we did. It was very difficult. Uh, we practiced um, for two weeks was rehearsal. Our rehearsal <sighs> period was two weeks. We worked like eight hours, ten hours a day. Damn. Um, it was intense. It was a lot of fun. I think it turned out well. Uh, I don't know if everybody understood the ending because, like, it was <laughs> the ending was what it was. Um, we did our best. That's an element of a good play. Yeah. Not to know the ending. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. I mean, wish you could have seen it so I could get your thoughts. But um, mm -hmm. I liked it a lot. I stand by it. Nice. Yeah. So, what's what's your life been like? Um. Whew, well. It's been a lot of craziness, um, but the main, I'm still doing stuff with environmental work, renewable energy work, and the big update is that I'm going to be running a campaign this year, my own campaign, so I'm like starting that process of like starting a campaign from scratch, which is that we're trying to collect like a community of people who are like ready to take real action towards a 100% renewable energy society. So it's like, we don't have a name, real name pending, but we've been talking about it like 1 million names for 100% renewable energy. So it's mostly a digital campaign, which is why I'm running it. So it's like just collecting the names of people who are like, yeah, let's take real action. I want to be part of a community of people who are like ready to take the next step and like actually get some stuff done. Right. Um, so connecting people who want to take that action. So 
I don't know if you knew this, but a million is a very high number. No, that's that's a lot. That's amazing, dude. So, yeah, well, thank you. Um, my future self, when I've collected all million names, is really, <laughs> thank you so much. I appreciate that. <laughs> that's a yeah, lot of we'll names. See. That's a lot of names. Uh, who knows? Who knew there were even that many people out there? I mean, we'll find out. Uh, so, How do you even go about getting those names? Oh, gosh, so many different ways. I mean, that's kind of the point of the campaign is, like, we're going to be learning about getting names and, like, trying out different avenues and different frames because there's, like, a lot of different ways people can approach renewable energy, whether you're, like, it's a cool technology or I'm worried about climate change or I my local river is polluted or, like, you know, there's a lot of different frames. So we're going to try the, all, all those different frames and get to the different types of people who we should be connecting with who would want to see a 100% renewable energy society. So Right, like someone like, I hate the sun, but I love geothermal energy. Yeah, so I mean, like, I'm a redhead. I hate the sun. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, you know, wind. How do you get that person? Great, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, person. you know, that's right. Yeah, you just, uh, you bury them underground with a geothermal vent, and you're like, isn't it warm and cozy? And they're like, you know what, this is great. You know what, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> this is okay, I guess. Solar heat. Yeah. yeah. Can't please mm-hmm. everybody. Gee, the earth is warm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Hard in the news. Uh, but that's awesome. Um, I guess yeah. if anybody's listening to this, they should join because we need a renewable energy. Like yeah. now. Uh, do it, right baby. Right baby. Right, baby. <laughs> yeah, I've been feeling very like, whoo, lots of, it's weird because this week has been an oceans report came out and it's like a lot of really dire news for our environment. The coral reefs are toast, like not to make a light pun about it, but uh, you know, it's kind of all dying and it's all over, but also lots of hope this week because people like Greta Thunberg and the climate March and I went to the climate March in Denver and it was like very hopeful. So also a lot of really good hopeful stuff going on too. So it's kind of a mixed bag. Hold on, there's a knock on my door. All right, go get it. Uh, go get it. Come in. <laughs> uh, yes, mom. Okay. It's okay. Anyway, yes. Grab <laughs> Listeners will remember Leslie, <laughs> Leslie from episode, episode two of. <laughs> I keep wanting to say, "How did this get made?" But that's <laughs> copyright infringement. <laughs> how did this get made? Too? Like, how did this get made? Like. <laughs> You know, just how did this successful businessman get made? Points to, yeah, I'm just pointing, we're pointing yeah. to each other. Yeah. How did that how get did that? made? <laughs> I don't, couldn't tell you. Um, cool. Damn. Well, I'm glad you're doing well. I'm glad you're busy. Yes, I'm glad you're busy. That's I'm glad good. you're hopeful about our climate. Um, yeah. Because we need to be. Um, speaking mm-hmm. of uh, plants and climate, uh, let's talk about weed. Um, Fuck Yeah. <laughs> Listening to music while stoned is a whole new world. Most plants consider it's important to second only to sex. And grass will change your musical habits for the better. But specifically, through football. Transition. Um, mm-hmm. That's good. Thanks. Um, cool. So we found an article this week um, called "Calvin Johnson Doesn't Regret a Thing," 
Um, <laughs> so, Graham, how much do you know about the National Football League, the NFL? Uh, um, now that I've read the article, I know that there's a person named Calvin Johnson. Uh-huh. Um, well, how much do you know about football? Oh, okay. So, we'll start from ball. <laughs> ball, foot, ball. Yeah. Two, two sort of, like, stakes in the ground. Throw ball through them. Um, uh, helmets. Concussions. Yeah, well, you, you kick right. them through them. Sometimes. I yes. guess. So, and rare. <laughs> yeah, okay. so I, know, I know so much stuff that it's just getting jumbled and I don't right. know how to organize all of it. You know what I mean? So that's sort of the trouble I'm running into. Gotcha. How much do you know about football, Ryan? Oh, well, Graham, I'm glad you asked. I know <laughs> too much. Um, <laughs> I played football and put some of my junior year of high school. My dad uncle and grandpa all played football for the university of tennessee and in the canadian football league my dad and uncle for a little bit uh so i've grown up my whole life with football um which is why i'm very i want to cover more about football and and marijuana but more football specifically in sports in general and how they shape us um and from like a sociological standpoint as well as a personal level and not just about the game um so calvin johnson um, when I tell you he was the best at his position, he was the best at his position. He was a wide receiver, so he caught the ball from the quarterback on offense. Um, and he was the best wide receiver when he was playing. Uh, it says in the article that he is 6'5", 237 pounds, probably had more weight when he was playing. But he's just this tall, huge, uh, athletic guy who can just snag anything. Uh, out of the air and he yeah he clearly the best when he was playing they called him megatron because he was so dominant (laughs) and just just this force like like from the the transformers megatron yeah so what do i know about transformers (laughs) robots cars shia labeouf uh megan fox he, That's he was a That's beast. All. He was he was a gosh okay. darn transformer. Um, cool. So, uh, I peak l- of his career. Peak of his career. Peak of his league. Yeah. Here's a paragraph from the article uh, from near the top. Uh, he is sure he suffered at least nine concussions in the NFL, one for every season he played. A super conservative estimate, he says, but that's not why he retired in his prime at 30. If the team had been better, he probably would have kept playing. But he's glad he left. He smoked pot after every game to heal, but that's not why he's getting into the cannabis business. The 6'5", 237-pound receiver they called Megatron does not need a megaphone. Only a man who doesn't need the <laughs> NFL can tell you what it's really like. Um, so he is one of the rare athletes who's pr- transitioned pretty smoothly into a business right after playing. He played from, I think it was 2009 to 2015, I want to say. No, 2007 to 2016. Sorry, it's nine seasons. Um, And he... I mean, it's startling now, right? Because, like you said, you associate concussions with football. Um, Yeah. Instead of one point, he was playing with... I'm going to pull it up here. Um, What did it say? Okay, he injured a foot, an ankle, and both knees. One finger was bent at a 90-degree angle. And that was the year he broke... um, Jerry Rice's record for, like, the most yards receiving as a wide receiver in a single season. Um, it, yeah. It's like, why 
did football become a billion dollar industry why is it such a defining cultural force for men to willingly destroy their bodies for money as like the best shot at financial success they have Brian, I'm glad you came to me with this question. Yes. Um, <laughs> no, that's that. I mean, yes. People who don't aren't into football, I think, especially ask themselves this question of like, like what? And it's often equated to like gladiator sports of like we like to see people, you know, we like to see that sort of like blood and guts kind of thing like that's people i think often go to that mm-hmm. um if like that's that gladiator sport mentality is still within us um and and entertains us of like seeing people like push their limits like that um but i also like i well i recently watched the movie ad astra odd Astra. yes i, guess, I saw that recently with Brad too. Pitt. did you yes. okay so and then that got me and my friends talking about astronauts. And so one person was like, I would give anything to be an astronaut. I've always wanted to go into space. Like, I would drop everything today and go to space. Whereas a lot of the people who saw that movie were like, did you see that movie? Like, I would never go into space. Right. I would never I would never push my body to that limit. And I think about that a little bit with football is like, first of all, the people who are drawn to do it and like to play football in this extreme way of like, some people look at that and they're like, why would you ever want to do that? But there's an appeal to people to like put their bodies in that situation and like to push themselves to that extreme and where that isn't there for other people. And it's also like, we want astronauts to go to space, even if we don't want to do it. Like we want to see people push themselves we want to the, the edges of humanity. Yeah, exactly. And see if they can make it back. And like, yeah. And I, for some reason it reminds me of that. And like seeing people go to the extremes of humanhood is like something that's entertaining and appealing to us. Right. Whether we're performing it or watching it. Mm. Even though we aren't necessarily seeing astronauts do the physical feats mm-hmm. as much as uh, athletes. No, I think that's a really great point to bring up. Um, gladiator uh mindset as well as um yeah the progress we want to see a body push to the limit um well yeah and you so you played your dad played football right right my dad played football i played football and for a you bit. played football and like so do you what's your answer to that question like why do you why did you play football and why do you think your dad did well i can tell you why my dad did more easily um but i played football Mainly because I felt like, you know, I'm a big guy. I'm like 6'2", um, like over 250 most of like since high school. Um, so I felt an obligation to like try, try it out. Because like, what if I'm great at it? Um, yeah. And like, I don't know. To me, when you're growing up as a boy, like when I, they asked me what did I want to be when I grew up when I was in third grade, I said a major league baseball player. Um, really? Yeah. Like almost... So many boys put down athlete for what they want to be when they grow up. Even though we know, like, most of us won't make it. um, It feels like, as a kid, you're you're defined a lot by... Or as a boy in particular, you're you're defined a lot by, you know, are you an athlete, are you not? Um, As as a social thing. As well as, Mm -hmm. like, um, that's the main mode of, like, socializing. Like, you would play games, you'd go over to people's houses and play sports... Um, and if you weren't doing that, you were like playing video games or watching movies, 
like it was definitely like I don't know like you can we bond through an activity it wasn't so much just like going together and hanging out so I think that's Mm -hmm. such a part of men is defined by like the power and biological power and also like toughness um and violence um but when my dad played is because my grandpa was a high school football coach oh wow he was like a legendary high school football coach in tennessee and new jersey and he was best known for helping guys get scholarships to college Mm -hmm. so for my the men in my family football was the way to move up uh up the socioeconomic ladder or up the economic ladder i should say um that's your ticket to college the way that you get a scholarship so you can have a better life um than the previous generation and there's like a legacy of like father to son you know like there's sort of a fulfillment of a name kind of thing yes there too yeah no yeah you hmm. you want to rep your family and your town where you come from and it all kind of comes into how you perform as like a, an assimilated yeah. um, land grabs because football was invented for by like these upper class boys at uh, the Ivies, like mm-hmm. UPenn and Harvard in like the early 1900s uh, because they wanted to simulate war because they had never been in a war like their dads and their grandfathers had been. Um, so they just wanted an excuse to beat the shit out of each other. That's the way to prove yourself, like the war, that like ancient warrior, like yeah, like I'm going back to Roman mm-hmm. times or Greek times, like you, you you're the strong man, um, right? The pinnacle of manhood, right? It's like physical strength, right? Yeah, um, but yeah, it's like my um, grandpa was like, yeah, you guys are playing football, like you don't have a choice, right? Um, and my huh. my 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 um. My uncles and my dad were good at it. So they were able to go to the University of Tennessee. Uh, one of my so uncles your, was. Your dad also was a ballerina, right? No. No? <laughs> no. Did I get that wrong? Didn't he do ballet? No. Are you, are you serious? No, he didn't do ballet. Ever? No. Wait, who am I thinking of? I don't know. Damn, he dressed up as a so... tooth fairy one year. Did I show you Are that? you serious? He never did professional dancing? My dad? Yeah. No. Wait, who the hell am I thinking I of? I think you're thinking of... Oh, so going back, Calvin Johnson uh, was on Dancing with the Stars. Um, is that what you were thinking of? No, no. Wow. Oh, well. Uh, going back to the article... Uh, Johnson has been described as humble, but he says he was the best receiver in the league. He has been called publicity shy, but he was appe- he has appeared on Dancing with the Stars. He's actually something so rare that we don't even recognize it, a superstar without pretense. Um, yeah, I don't know who you were thinking of, but... God damn it! Wait, I, that's, I was 100% sure that your dad was a... played football. Yes. Correct. And then did ballet for a little bit. 
No, that's not my Why dad. Why did I think that? That might that's be... That's so strange. That's someone Who else, else would I know whose dad played football? I don't know. That's so funny. Man, okay, that's crazy. Because I was like, I had this really specific solid memory of this being a thing, and I was so excited to talk to you about it in this episode. So I was like, I am so fascinated. I, can't, I don't know what that could have been. <laughs> Maybe I just wanted that to be true. Wow. Okay, it'll come to me, but we'll. Okay. I want fuck that, that to be okay, true. No. Jeez. Uh, we'll pick Damn, that back up. Your mom never did a ballet or anything like that. No. Am I mixing that up? Holy shit. Yeah, definitely okay. Are. All right. We'll figure that out <laughs> later. Um. We'll fix it in post. Yeah. We'll um. Fix it. <laughs> it's like we'll put just, in just edit 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 some stuff in. I don't know. Everything I just said. Take it out. <laughs> um. Okay. Interesting. And then put it back in. <laughs> I came to this country in 1849 I thought myself lucky to be alive Well, okay, so this is, I, um, one thing that I've never understood about sports Yes Um, because actually I feel like I kind of understand the, like physicality of it pretty well and i think a lot of people do mm-hmm. where you're like you know that's almost why we have horror movies like we want to represent things that we can't express emotionally that are hard to express emotionally in a physical way right. and like so i think it makes sense that people want to beat each other up in these like sort of organized ways or you know like have this physical way to to work through their emotional stress because emotions suck and physicality is easy Right, um, and men don't know how to express emotions in any other way, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No they don't really know how does. to express emotions, period. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think I kind of get that. I think the sort of like the interesting part of it is like the um, teams and like being mm. part of a team, which this article kind of gets into of like that he was part of a group and he was really good at what he did, but he kept getting frustrated by being part of this team that was not prioritizing the things he wanted and were not being successful as he was, but he was still like part of his identity as a sports person. I think that's what they're called. Mm, um, was part of this team. (laughs) So, and like I had a, my college boyfriend was really into like club football, like English soccer. And he was really into man U. Mm -hmm. And I kept being like, why were you into, why are you into man U? Like, why is that your team? And he would be like, um, it you know it had to do with the place it had to do with like he had associations with that place and i was like yeah but every person that worked on that team was bought from a different place no one there is actually from manchester united and so in a sense it's like you know the teams that are like there are so all teams are associated with a place and like a sort mm-hmm. of club around a certain location but no one's really it's kind of fake like no one's really from that place right it's a fiction yeah, exactly. So I think that's something that I've always been really fascinated by is like this, like really people get religious about their teams, but it's kind of ship of, um, just should have known the end of that sentence before I started it. Ship of Theseus, ship of, ship, ship of, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Kind of. The one that, with a ship that's like every, it's like a Greek thing, um, where every, um, they, they like keep repairing the ship. It's been around for thousands of years and they keep repairing the ship and replacing its parts. So then after about a thousand years, it's like made of completely new parts. So is it really the same ship oh. as it was at the original? It's like, that's kind of like, 
Ship of Theseus? Ship of Sisyphus? No, I think Theseus. Sisyphus? Not Sisyphus. Man, we keep going back to Greek stuff. Ship of Theseus, yeah, that's it. No, that's uh, you're speaking my language for him. Um, the performance, <laughs> the cultural performance of sports is so strange because, I mean, growing up, like the, again, this is like the main way for guys to talk. Um, I guess like our very like cis het men talk this way of like, oh, who's your team? Like, oh, um, my team. Oh, I love the Yankees. Oh, you love the Yankees? Like, why do you love them? Yeah. It's like, well, I grew up in New Jersey, New York, and I like I had to pick them or yeah. the Mets. Like, right. like you said, like. It's not so much about, like, the players being from there, which you would think, like, oh, you're rooting for your boys in your hometown mm-hmm. like you went in, like, a high school team. But no, it's like, and when it's a professional level, you're just rooting for this culture or entity um, mm-hmm. that then has become a symbol for, like, your city um, right. in some way. Um, yeah, it's a, I guess it's symbolic, yeah. And with Detroit uh, in particular, um, <laughs> to go the symbolism route, um Detroit like kind of like you know this uh post industrial kind of like mm-hmm. failed city quote unquote in a way um kind of barren city and you have like this sh- shining star in Calvin Johnson um who like you said like well, let's let's dig into the team aspect here um he excelled at that job but his employer kept failing I'm reading from the article again the Lions did mm-hmm. not win a playoff game in his nine years. Their ineptitude was comical unless you cared. One coach hired his son-in-law to be defensive coordinator. Again, nepotism is Ugh. rampant. Yeah. Um, yeah, coach thinks like, oh, like, I know my boy. Like, he'll get the job done. Yeah. It's weird when it's a meritocracy and when it's not in sports. But anyway, <laughs> a general manager decided on draft night to use a first-round pick on a player he didn't even want. Um, <laughs> oh, no. And, like, a first-round pick, Graham, is like super valuable in rebuilding your team for years to come Mm -hmm. so the fact you use it on a person you don't want uh is insane um you want that's the person you want most out of the college pool um gotcha i'm gonna keep reading veterans would join detroit and tell johnson about everything the team did wrong eventually he started to notice himself the front office and coaching staff were rarely aligned the massage therapist who was there on fridays and mondays would be gone the next year stuff like that Here's a story. Mm. It's a good story. In Johnson's second year, quarterback John Kitna said, Well, take it away, Calvin. He left the meeting room one day, and he told the coaches and the whole team that we're not going to win a game if we go into the season with this system. Somebody should have listened, because we were 0-16 and 16 after that. <laughs> they didn't win a game the whole year. <laughs> um, um, they were the Yeah, and you're stock. supposed to win games. That's the That's whole point. That's what I know point. about football. Yeah. Again, mm-hmm. it's that the like war fiction of like, yeah, you're supposed to acquire land, acquire yardage, uh, yeah. to get into this place that's being guarded, the end zone. Mm-hmm. Um, so you touch down in it, um, touchdown, mm-hmm. and touchdown. Yeah, there you go. Exclamation point. Yep. <laughs> you get six yeah, points, about that. and you get the most points, and you win. That's what it's all about. It's a game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And they could not do that. Uh, out of 16 times, they could not do that. At the professional mm-hmm. level, a team is supposed to beat anybody. And this is before, like, teams have deliberately started to uh, suck so they can get good draft picks. <laughs> is that a thing? Yeah, it's a thing, yeah. Like, a team right now, the Miami Dolphins, like, they are purposefully traded away most of their good players 
uh, so they could have the worst record and get the best draft pick because um, how the draft oh. works, you get the best pick if you did the worst. So like that's trying to keep it fair. Like Jeopardy. Right. Well, kind of. <laughs> second. Well, yeah, it's double Jeopardy, I should say. The second round of Jeopardy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but again, damn, it's a draft. How... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's another army term. Right. I'll take uh, Johnson uh, for 200, Alex. No, it's all right. It falls apart at that point. But um, it's, okay. the... it's more uh, like a transaction of people, which again gets into like when it's a predominantly black athletes that work in the the white led mm-hmm. NFL, like white coaches, white billionaire owners running a team. Yeah. Uh, there's a ton of um, racial dynamics. And right. looking at athletes as specimens, particularly black male athletes. Who are and as like numbers, as like statistics, and like yes, yeah. You're mm-hmm. like you base like your you pay people based on how they perform, mm-hmm. so you keep track of them, and you you like it's the it's the black men who are usually come from really um, shitty uh, economic statuses, the poorest, um, mm-hmm. find their way to like Calvin Johnson went to Georgia Tech on a scholarship. I don't know his family background per se. Um, but I'm just speaking generally, um, these yeah. really poor kids, black kids come through, get yelled at by white coaches all, all damn day, uh, put their bodies on the line. Cause this is their best shot at making millions of dollars. Yeah. I mean, it's like making serious money. Yeah. So like one way to look at it is like, here is a way to, I mean, it's like, you know, a way just like sort of like hip hop culture has been a way for like African American kids who are like, you know, have started out on the streets. Like that's sort of their narrative. And then they use that to sort of like get, this is their way out. And this is how they sort of like make a lot of money. This is how they like get out of that poverty. This is like another sort of situation of like, this is black kids who are able to, this is their way into like a really good school. It's like an opportunity. It's like a, but then it's also, so like, how do you balance, how do you ever balance a narrative like that of like, it's an opportunity for people to have this really amazing, you know, money making opportunity or this amazing way to get into a good school and this way to get a good scholarship balanced with the fact that it is like, I mean, just like body horror. Yeah, no, <laughs> like, you're right. For disadvantaged people. No, I, and like, yeah, how do you, I guess, how do you, yeah, how do you choose a side in that? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, this weird masochistic thing. And, like, I, the rapper 2 Chains came out with an album, I think, either this year or last year. That was called Rapper Go to the League. Rapper Go oh, yeah. to the League, which was a reference to, like, he was a really good basketball player. And hmm. he had to either, like, all right, I'm going to make money by rapping or playing basketball. That's the only legal ways I can make a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, yeah. it's hard for me to get any other kind of job. Yeah. Unless I go to, like, crime or dealing drugs. Um, which is, like, a common... And speaking of dealing drugs. Speaking of dealing drugs. <laughs> um, man, what a transition. Um, Calvin Johnson, um, one of the biggest, like, headline grabs from this article was that he, well, he smoked pot after every game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. So, like... Again, let me underscore this. Um, my sister had a friend who uh, was drafted into the NFL uh, like 10 years ago. 
Um, mm. And he almost made it. He didn't get medically cleared because he had a lot of back injuries from playing in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said, like, oh, okay, like, come on, like, why can't I play? And the medical trainer was like, playing in an NFL game is like getting in a car wreck every Sunday. Ugh. That's the amount of pain and force you're overgoing when you're like these guys who are like the they're the top one percent of the one percent of athletes who are good enough to make it out of like millions of guys these are like the very very few and at that point like they can just like these massive guys who are just like you can there's like six five two hundred ninety and i understand like describing men like this as like again it's like i don't know like sizing them up Mm-hmm. Um, and like making a physical specimen body horror of them, but like six five two ninety, they can run like um, a forty yard dash in under five seconds. Um, like it, it's just mass times velocity equals power. Yeah. Uh, like they are just so much <laughs> yeah. powerful than us. Uh, it is insane. Um, so it is like it's just cars colliding. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's why they got helmets and stuff. But even then, it's like it's just more mass, and then it just goes to your head. Yeah. And like he got a concussion every day. And he said, um, Calvin Johnson said, um, Johnson was a highly paid member of a clown show. I mean, essentially, he's nobody's clown. Yeah, he became the ideal NFL player in the least NFL, least ideal NFL environment. Uh, but he paid for it. The year he broke Rice's record, he injured a foot and ankle in both knees. Like I said earlier, one finger was bent at a ninety degree angle. Says the training staff told him to get it fixed after he retired. It's not about the welfare of the player, says Johnson, who in his career missed just nine games. It's just about having that product. Um, And he said, when I got to the league, there was opioid abuse, Johnson says. You really could go in the trading room and get what you wanted. I can get Vicodin. I can get Oxycontin. It was too available. I used Percocet and stuff like that, and I did not like the way that made me feel. I had my preferred choice of medicine, cannabis. So, like, again, like, another dilemma, like, all right, I'm putting myself in a car car wreck to make millions of dollars so because like when sports fans hear athletes complain they're like oh but you make millions of dollars you're not like me um (sighs) yeah again you're like you didn't work your ass off solely at this being only defined by this one thing throughout most of your life from like childhood to now Mm -hmm. um being subservient to like some of the dumbest people um yeah (laughs) Yeah. who somehow fail upwards and keep making millions of dollars as a coach that's a whole nother (laughs) thing um the bad coach can be astounding um Mm -hmm. to keep making money but anyway i'm getting sidetracked um you you undergo all this like a car wreck every week and you're like okay do i get addicted to drugs like brett Favre, who took like a month's worth of painkillers in like two days once um or do you obviously try and use marijuana which a lot of people are advocating for and the nfl is finally starting to study as an alternative because it Mm -hmm. like it just helps so much um so like yeah it's like oh here's the best guy in the league and he smoked weed every game and like he's not lazy he's not um Mm -hmm. a layabout like yeah like he was like i'm getting concussions like almost (laughs) so much i can't count like i need this to not become an addict like there's just again like this Almost an equal spectacle on the field is matched by the spectacle of, like, treating the pain and making sure you don't get just, like, sucked into it. Into, mm-hmm. like, CTE and just just all the stress. Because, like, 
they had a guy, Andrew Luck, who was like one of the biggest quarterbacks in the league, retired at like 29 this this year because he was like been injured for the past four years and had like five surgeries and he's like I just can't do this mm-hmm. I don't want to do this yeah um but people in Indianapolis are like oh bro like, oh come on but like you gotta like win the games for us and it's like no yeah. these, are, these are people <laughs> and yeah. somehow we demand this from them and of course right people don't often think of it in this physical of terms and you feel a little bit of um that's part of it like that's why you have teams is so you can feel like a little bit of like ownership like that's inherent with it is like he's our guy like he's with us he's like on our team and then they leave it's like a betrayal of like that team stuff when you don't feel that way necessarily with other things i wouldn't think like other jobs other businesses other businesses yeah um and people are also getting this product usually on TV, like, for free. I mean, you pay cable or you can pay a ticket to go to the game and they might gouge you. But, like, mm-hmm. you're getting this, like, from the seat of your home. Yeah. Being able to yell and have, like, an identity almost. Because, like, Knoxville, like, with the university team here, the University of Tennessee, it's, like, the mood of the town is affected by this football team. Because people just yeah. care so much about it. Because that's, like... So the only social glue we have yeah yeah and well yeah and it's like um yeah i mean it's like being an actor but y- your job never ends your job you never know? ends like, and you get the shit knocked out and you get yeah and you'd have no stunt double like <laughs> yeah it's like uh it's very strange because people feel because you're like a, a celebrity presence like you're a your face is part of the package and like your your personhood is part of what's for sale and so then people feel ownership over that so Hmm. i think the article doesn't super go into i think it kind of draws the connection it's interesting that in the the like the headline of the article is this connection to the cannabis industry Mm -hmm. um but it doesn't it's really the article is more about kind of like it even ends the last sentence i think is like um let me see if I'm going to look it up. Mm, it's all fine. His team's went 50... Oh, here we go. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. He loves running his football camp, but he ba- barely pays attention to the NFL. He plays golf. He goes snowboarding. And yes, heads turn on a 6'5 black guy flies down the slopes of Utah. He doesn't care, though. Gawk <laughs> at him or don't. Remember how great he was or don't. Pay him back or don't, because Detroit didn't pay him his uh, signing bonus when um, he mm-hmm. retired earlier. Yeah. Um, which is just so disrespectful. Um, it's all fine. His teams went 54-90 in his career, but Calvin Johnson won. Right. So it's kind of like the article, I feel like, is talking a lot about how... I mean, it seems to me like I think this author is counting getting out of that situation as sort of like the ultimate victory. <laughs> right. Almost. Well, um, more, than, yeah. more than that, like... You're saying like he got out of that with um, his two primary businesses, locker room consulting, mm-hmm. which helps players prepare for life after sports, which is like such a necessary thing because again, like these guys have been doing this since like age five or six, and like this is all they know what to do. Even when they yeah. go to school, it's like I have classes to go to, then football. That's it. Um, yeah, so, like, and there are a lot of jobs that are like. I mean, when you put your, like, when your passion or your talent or whatever it is that you have 
that makes you want to pursue a job when that's all in a physical space like when that job's over whether you're a ballerina like your dad um or <laughs> or an nfl player um or a veteran you know like an army guy or like you know anything that has like a, a railroad physical, worker mm-hmm, yeah a anything that has a yeah. physical thing yeah attached it for sure yeah um then it's like what do you do when that because everyone loses their physicality and especially if you're like spending your working years in a physical job then you're going to lose it a lot faster than other people right so like what do you do after that you still have to work like right and you only and like yeah this is like he's like age like 37 or 36 now like yeah we forget like this all happens like at the time we're growing up like at our age like yeah five to nine years mm-hmm. of some success in this as you're like to make millions of dollars for like mainly the rest of your life so like yeah, and then yeah. The, most of the jobs now like as such of the panic of our economy shift as we've been up as we've been growing up has been with techno- learning technology and learning or uh, using your brain like it's it's a mental economy mm-hmm. um and like these guys have just been neglected and failed uh because they've been since there's been such a focus on what you said the physical labor that i think was an excellent point and if you do get into the idea of like Maybe the opposite side of that coin, which is, you know, we're all freaked the fuck out that AI is going to come into our lives and chop our heads off. Like, that things like, um, things that are physical, like, maybe if you're, like, doing a physical job as in, like, coal mining or something like that, that can be replaced by a robot. But if you're doing something like football or dance or an astronaut... There's mm-hmm. an implicit value in there being a human in that space and not a robot. <laughs> it's like first right. man on Mars instead of first robot on Mars is a different thing. And so like people pushing themselves to these limits, people playing football and competing and people dancing in front of you is like a different thing. So like in a way, maybe these are the places that we'd be safe from right ai job loss like there are certain places in our economy that are like we want people in those spots it is not entertaining to watch a robot struggle yet unless it's wally uh yeah (laughs) but uh no they haven't perfected um (laughs) giant robot fights which maybe that could be that could be entertainment i mean i don't know i mean i guess the movie um uh, the the you know the Transformer movies. Transformer movies, Pacific Rim, yeah. Or those um. Rock'em Sock'em. B- Rock'em Sock'em. <laughs> you yeah. know Battlebots. <laughs> oh, I could go on. Battlebots, yeah. Um, um, but anyway, I think that that connection to the cannabis industry is like kind of swept over, and I don't think it's like super. It's kind of part of the headline, but it's not super like a big part of the article. I don't think. Well, it's been part of like you're saying like how people have noticed the story because I noticed it because people are like oh. He smoked, like, weed after every game. Like, that's gnarly, right. bro. Like, oh, mm-hmm. he fucking puffed. Um, yeah. Nobody says that. Why did I say that? They um, fucking puffed. Oh, I'm going to start saying it now. <laughs> oh, damn it. So, yeah, no, I'm when so I Googled lame. this, I you're weed. so square. Uh, Ryan, you're not high right now. I was going to clean my room until I got high. <laughs> I was going to get up and find the broom, but then I got high. Uh, 
He owns the cannabis company Primitive, uh, which he co-founded with former teammate Rob Sims. Um, yes, let's 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 dive into that because cannabis is like one of the fastest growing industries as it's been legalized, mm-hmm. um, and I think it got legalized in Michigan where they ha- where they have the business in 2018. Um, oh, cool. So, again, that physical labor, um, they're trying to corner a market on that because it is just such a good. I don't know. Maybe you can, you can help me out with this because I know mm-hmm. marijuana and cannabis like has so many good effects on treating pain um, and like a lot of practical health uses. What are what are some more of those? Um, well, it's dope as shit. I'm just yeah, kidding. It's true. Um, <laughs> besides making you look cool. Um, yeah, you being well, in Denver where it's legal. Yes. So I've never smoked weed ever. <laughs> neither have I <laughs> um yeah so the legalization of marijuana is interesting I think especially now that we're like really in a national emergency of an opioid crisis mm-hmm. is like yeah kind of makes sense for us to be exploring legalizing methods that are not as addictive as opioid opioids to treat pain like that seems like the simplest conclusion to a really horrifying epidemic that our country is suffering from. Right. And I think that, that this article draws a good parallel to that. Um, and as someone who lives in a state where weed is legal, like, oh my god, I don't know if anybody would, have, would disagree with me. I don't know if anybody doesn't have this opinion at this point, but if alcohol is legal, why the hell wouldn't weed be legal? Right. <laughs> Makes no sense to me. Um, I agree completely. And as someone who, you know, has smoked her fair share of cigarettes and has had difficulty getting off of them, there's a lot of very legal, very addictive substances out there that are really in the mainstream conscious as being acceptable and marketable to kids and things like that. Um, Yeah, the whole vaping thing? Yeah, vaping. There's like, last I, I mean, it's like, you know a dozen deaths or something from vaping illnesses now. It's like really an unknown tobacco product that we don't know a ton about that people are dying from. It's like, um, so um, anyway, but addictive, yeah. yeah. So, and when you, you know, in Colorado, weed is really, it's a lot like alcohol in that it's just like, you know, not a huge deal. Not something you're going to get super stoked about if you find it. It's just sort of like around. Like, it's just sort of a normal part of society, and that kind of takes the pressure off of it. Hmm. As someone who's smoked weed, you know, in, a, in an illegal setting and a legal setting. I mean, I don't know. My my show. friend, Kevin, who did, did that. Did it illegally. Yeah, did it I did it legally. only done yeah. it legally. Um, <laughs> wink. Um. Wink. But um, I think the... Interesting. One interesting thing that we, I thought of when we were talking about football earlier, yeah. and like one of the reasons people get into it is it is a like an American legacy. So it's like kind right. of the antithesis of the cannabis industry, <laughs> which is kind of interesting that that's what he kind of went into is like the like American football is something that you do. Like your dad did it, your grandpa did it. Like it's a something that's passed down. It's very American. It's like. You it's know, not done anywhere uh, very else. Very traditional. Like this. Yeah, it's like yeah, exactly. It's like our country's thing, um, and weed is a new industry and completely 
there's no legacy to it in the U.S. So that was sort of an interesting contrast of like, it's new and and um, sci-fi in a way. Like it's, mm-hmm. you know, new technology kind of. And so sort of the antithesis of football in that way, which is something that I thought of. No, it's great you mentioned that because, yeah, other places have decriminalized drugs um, like Uruguay and I think, I think um, Portugal, I think, um, recently. But mm-hmm. so that's not a new idea. But also, but I think as like um, the negative uh, reaction to football as the most Amer- one of the most American things about mm-hmm. our society, I think our imprisonment of people of <laughs> marijuana and like our lack of decriminalizing it uh, predominantly against, again, uh, predominantly uh, black men, um, Dude. black and brown men, um, like that's... <laughs> the people we're targeting and like Calvin Johnson is, is the rare um, black person to profit off of weed in a legal way, which is mm-hmm. great. Um, but it is so jarring to like have it be so normal, but also be like, I think, I think, I, I think I looked up, it counts for like 600,000 of drug arrests. Um, Ugh. Ugh, and so like stupid. out of like the 2.3 million people in, um, U.S. prisons. I, I think I might be getting it wrong. It might just be arrests. Um, but it's it's too yeah. many. And um, in this specific situation, the irony is so... Because it's like, he talks about how you know, we... So in a society where this is like an opportunity that we push black and brown men into, you know, specifically like black men into of like a way to get out of poverty or a way to have opportunity. And, um, it's sort of an avenue for them. And then it's also like, he talks about how then it was just a channel for opioids and like drug abuse and this sort of like prescription drug abuse that he said was really easy, easily accessible for him through this opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Legal. Yes. And then, but then so now but then at the same time we're incarcerating black and brown men for partaking in a you know a um like a pain saving drug like cannabis is like disproportionately for that it's like what is the that's just like ironic and this like sort of horrible twisted circle that doesn't that almost makes too much sense it's like really fucked up yeah you have to contort yourself in so many ways to like, okay, this is one of the few ways I can make so much money because I'm so talented, but mm-hmm. I can't use this thing to like manage my pain from all this activity and the stress, but yeah, I can do pills, but also that would like, give but, me an yeah. addiction that would ruin yeah. my life um, yeah. that I've worked and so it's hard destroying there. destroying our country, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, yeah, completely unraveling it. Uh, but let's see, mm-hmm. um, 52% of all drug arrests in 2010 were for marijuana, um and blacks and whites uh, white people are also being imprisoned for marijuana yeah, but yeah. it's so much disproportionately to black and brown people because it's from the ACL, ACLU black blacks mm-hmm. and whites use pot about at about the same rate but these busts mm-hmm. aren't happening on every block blacks have black people have been nearly four times more likely than white people to be arrested for marijuana possession and they like we're like 60% of the population and they're like 30% it just like any way you add it up is like your abacus falls over like it's just insanity it's so disproportionate there might even be more um i mean there's probably not more white people in prison for marijuana than black and brown people but Mm -hmm. um it's just percentage wise this is just so fucked (laughs) yeah 
Um, so fucked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm all for, in case it's not clear, fucking, yeah, legalization of marijuana. Actually, Colorado just um, just legalized or decriminalized um, psilocybin, which is magic mushrooms. Fun fact. That is, that's a fun fact. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, which is also known to... Um, you know, that's a different issue entirely. It's a, I don't, I wouldn't put those two in the same category for the, for the merit of both of them, but, um, right. but there's the, a narrative around, also, oh, are you going to say just like, it's all the same kind of arguments apply of like medical use and things like that. So, but anyway, so it's, it's interesting that that's also, that's also a movement that's happening right now. Oh, very true. And I think, mm-hmm. no, but I think it does relate because the larger drug culture about like mushrooms and weed is like this the predominantly white guy stoner like <laughs> like right. trip, man this is crazy like it's played as a joke and it is a joke for most people but until like um the punishment falls down disproportionately on on, on the non-white people um mm-hmm. there's like that's why this was such a funny headline because it's like oh you smoke weed every day like what yeah weed is yeah. crazy dude Weed that is rules. crazy. It's so cool. <laughs> um, there's that, that like white bro culture of like wow, like yeah, he did this, um, which is really yeah. jarring. Because like if you, you said, it's just a normal mm-hmm. thing, and like it doesn't even poison your liver or make you an addict or a pillhead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you so that's what I at one point I googled, um, you know, Calvin Johnson cannabis and i was like looking to see if there are other articles about this and Mm. every single article was like guess what motherfucker like calvin johnson smoked weed after every game like it was like very like can you believe this shit they didn't actually call me a motherfucker but there was like you know that was the tone of like can you believe this like i was like why is that still clickbait it makes no sense to me um it's again like this yeah masculine culture of like wow like he's like this warrior and he smokes weed like he's yeah. strong and cool uh <laughs> right yeah and he's a yeah, yeah party yeah well did i ever tell you about the time that i went to um a self-defense class with my friend bonnie it was like a day that my mom and her mom made us go to like a self-defense no. class and um we were like having a break and it was like a bunch of like middle-aged kind of nervous women and then me and bonnie like little 17 year olds um and we were like huge stoners at the time uh and the moms were chatting and one of uh, during the lunch break and one of them said did you hear about this thing that happened and it was during the time that that guy in florida got on bath salts and ate that guy's face you remember this <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like really fucked up she was <laughs> describing this to the other women who were all like oh my god like they were just like oh it was horrible and then one of them asked like what was he on and the other and the woman said marijuana <laughs> and bonnie and i were sitting there we were like no no not at all <laughs> eating someone's face when you're on marijuana <laughs> can you imagine how horrible that it's is? the munchies dude it's like yeah just man gotta get the i thought it was a cheeto uh, yeah. <laughs> um no that's how oh, that's so insane there's such like our, our generation like has such a i don't know maybe not clear-eyed view but like a very reasonable view of like yeah it's yeah, not a big are deal changing. at all mm-hmm. it's nothing yeah um, yeah, you walk into a store here and it's like walking into a fucking, you know, IHOP. It's like, I would like the pancakes and the marijuana, please. It's like, no big deal. <laughs> Come to Denver. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I just might. Um, no, I will. I will. Um, 
No, but like the older generation and like the high school I advised that um, one of those striking things about it and this high school, like being in a rural area, I think was a little bit fair to say a little culturally not as not as hip um, mm-hmm. in, in a couple ways. But uh, they were strongly anti-marijuana. Like they would make yeah. kids like list out like why weed was bad, like yeah. uh, it made you lazy and made you like unfit for work. It led to it was the gateway. Yeah. Drug to all the other stuff, which, you know, it's been pretty thoroughly debunked. Um, yeah. And, I mean, it was it was just kind of mind-bending to be like, oh, I've never actually, like, been in a setting where weed is, like, so strongly criticized. Oh, interesting. So this and is because, really yeah, yeah, growing up in, like, even pretty well-off, you're like, oh, yeah, like, I don't do mm-hmm. weed, but, like, my friends do at their, like, suburb house because of uh, Greg's... Uh, family's gone away for the weekend. We can yeah. smoke over there. Um, right. It is, yeah, such a weird reality of uh, of drug use. And I think those are, those concerns come from a place of goodness, of, like, real concern. And to be fair, I definitely have had friends who are, you know, I know people who have, smoke too much weed or like who have relied too much on any kind of substance to get them through something that they should be able to get through with their own emotions. And like, that's, that's true for any kind of substance, but, um, yeah, I guess I don't want to brush over that truth, but, um, but it's also, yeah, I think the rest speaks for itself is like, there are a lot of benefits to not having shame on something that doesn't need to be shameful and can have a lot of benefits for people. And mm-hmm. also fucking put shame aside, like <laughs> arresting people. Like, stop. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, and like the exonerate yeah. the people who are in there. Yeah. Absolutely. Unfucking believable. Um, yeah. All those horror stories of people being in there for like 10, 20 years. Cause they had God a little weed. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, absurd. So stupid. Yeah. Um, and but no, you're, that's a good point. That like, yeah, like anything, you can smoke too much marijuana. Um, it's not like addictive in and of itself, but it like it's more just like you can have an unhealthy emotional coping mechanism. Yeah. Um, just For like sure. well, like food. Yeah, like you can eat too much food and rely on that mm-hmm. as like a sense of goodness and hit the pleasure receptors in your brain. Yeah. Definitely. Um, or you can use alcohol, which is very that's exactly legal right, and which is so again. legal. Yeah. Very easy to get. Yeah. Marijuana is like. Yeah, maybe, like, the lesser of evils compared to those two, honestly. Because uh, you don't have obesity or mm-hmm. um, alcoholism inherently. Um, but going back to the article, yeah. it might be a good place to wrap up uh, our mm-hmm. thoughts on it. But um, his other business, Locker Room Consulting, is fascinating to me. Because I think they're kind of twi- sister companies in that they help these young guys. Again, like, most of these guys are... 20s to like at oldest like mid 30s mm-hmm. um helps them manage the pain helps them wow. manage their life um so you can get like the right amount mm-hmm. um because you know they smoke he smokes after every game and that's a lord headline because it's like oh can you me- imagine me smoking after every game it's like no right. but you're not imagining them being in a car wreck like yeah. yes you would smoke after every game because you're Ugh your fingers bent 90 degrees 
Uh, oh, I, I hate that you description. Broke yeah. your foot. Sorry, I was, it's, it's captured me. Like, yeah, you've hurt yeah, your foot. Yeah, that's a good like, one. These myriad of sprains and broken bones, and like, yeah, like mm-hmm. these guys need assistance with like their pain and managing it in a way that's healthy and it won't wreck their life for after football which like all of these guys will have to deal with that after football and some athletes have like kind of there's been some stories of athletes who have uh, ended up homeless and -hmm. all their money was mismanaged or taken from them because again like these guys I think there's more resources there now, but earlier, like, there was, there are guys who had never seen this much money in their life. And right. of course didn't know how to spend it. Um, didn't have help with it, so I think, um, and that's not to say, like, they were irresponsible or, like, too dumb to handle it. It's just like, no, I've never had a million dollars. Like, I don't know, I'm, I don't know oh how many God. taxes I'm about to pay. <laughs> Dude, um, if someone handed me a million dollars right now, I would eat it. I don't know what I would do with it. Like... <laughs> I'd put it in my pudding. I don't know. Yeah, of course you know. And again, yeah, they're our age. It's like, yeah, if you handed us a million dollars, I don't know what to do with it. I'm a child. This is too much. I just signed up for a 401k because my dad bullied me into it. I have no (laughs) idea how to handle money. Yeah. Oh, my God. I feel like a 14-year-old. There's no way if you handed me a million dollars, I would know what to do with it. So, yeah, these kids, they're they're kids almost. Like, it's just like. Young adults. Yeah, yeah. I guess I shouldn't call myself a kid anymore. That's problematic for myself. Yeah, yeah we're, we're, we're growing we're, up. We're here. adults. Growing up, you're growing up. Yeah, it's like you know, it's we're all and honestly, like, so my mom works in a financial aid, um, uh, or not financial, but she works for a financial company. So she's mm-hmm. been like giving me a lot of documents of like, you're 24, like it's time to start thinking about your money, kind of stuff, and like, how do you invest, like that kind of literature. And I've been reading it, and it's like, okay, it's time to start thinking about this stuff. So these people are going through that exact same process that I'm going through right now, except that they have a million more problems to deal with than I do. Like Physically it's just, and like, yeah. they're mm-hmm. the ones buying their parents a house or a car. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You are suddenly the adult when someone puts you in that position. And like, that's an impossible situation to be in charge of. So yeah, it's hard. Shout out to Calvin Johnson for he's doing it helping helping the dudes out and i think i love it um uh one of my favorite quotes that i i have to get on here um mm-hmm. see painful oh yeah also like going through all that pain going through all this strife uh and all these like little problems financially of like all right i gotta provide for everybody now i'm the man mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, again, masculine masculinity. Totally, <laughs> money is very masculine. Yeah, gentleman. Yeah, being the breadwinner. Mm-hmm. Um, and your team sucks, and you <laughs> lose all your games in the season. Like you're just yeah. you were, yeah. your luck has brought you to a shitty team mm-hmm. that never even sniffs a championship, which is what everybody's working for at your job. Ugh, so yeah. it's like, yeah, no wonder. Yeah, obviously he retired early. I think he said, um, "Would he have played longer if the Lions had won more?" I think there's a very strong possibility he retired at thirty. <laughs> Barry Sanders, another great football player, too retired from the Lions at 30, asked if this is a coincidence. Johnson says, not really. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think I would have played more and stuck it out and gotten more money if it was just, like, in any way positive. (laughs) Right, yeah. Hey, give up millions of dollars? Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to batter my body just to lose because it's not my fault because my team sucks. I'm really good at this, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. why can't other people be good at this in this professional <sighs> job? Because it's so mismanaged. 
Um, yeah. God, it's insane. Um, <laughs> Nothing has ever been more frustrating. Yeah, that's awful. Oh, man. Um, oh, oh, here's my favorite article, though. Our favorite quote from the article. Um, Johnson has told current Lions coach Matt Patricia that he will work with Detroit's receivers, but not at the team's practice facility. Like, <laughs> I'm not going anywhere yeah. near that organization. Yeah. He has friends in the organization. Quarterback Matthew Stafford is his buddy. And yet, I wouldn't necessarily say I cheer for the Lions, Johnson says. I cheer for the players. Woo! So, yeah, Love I'm it. with, I'm with my guys. Yeah. That's a great quote to end on, I think. I think that's great because it is, it's sort of what we've been talking about is like um, the sports and sort of football tend to boil things down to teams. And that's kind of the whole point of it is like we're a team and that's a lot of where the trouble started for this whole narrative is like we're cheering for the players. It's like these are humans who are individual humans who are suffering because of individual things that are happening to them instead of it's not just a team. It's a team of people. And so, right. yeah, we'll it's not the this- players. Yeah, it's not this murky, like, amorphous, like, oh, the, this concept of, like, the Detroit Lions as a exactly. thing yeah. that the fans do. It's like, no, I'm cheering for these these men who yeah. have been bonded through the most, like, intense mm-hmm. suffering, really. Um, and are we pro-football? Are we anti-football at, at the end of this conversation? Are we pro-cannabis? Are we anti-cannabis? Like, eh, we're just pro the players. Like, you know, hope people end out okay. Yes. No, yeah. yeah. You're exactly yeah. right. But we're also pro cannabis. Wait, I mean, to be clear, we're pro cannabis. <laughs> to be clear, we're pro cannabis. Um, yes. <laughs> but speaking of that, I think I would love to explore further, uh, yeah, pro or, pro and anti football, um, mm-hmm. analyzing the marijuana industry, and again, just keep following these threads. And I think this is a, a great jumping off point as we as we got back into the podcast game hell yeah i'm glad we're back in it thanks ryan thank you graham <laughs> audience thank you thank you we love you jen i'm sure one of your names is jennifer jennifer so, thanks for listening have a great night <laughs> or day or day <laughs> excellent Nobody dealing, sitting on a step by the library building.